All right, let's pray, and we will uh, we'll see how we get along today. So, Father, we do love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for um, just your word, being able to hold it in our hands, uh, being able to have a copy of it uh, in really any room of our house that we want. There's some people in the world who can't even get a copy of the word of God, and we have so many copies that we don't know what to do with it, and yet um, it seems like there's still a famine for it. So, Lord, I pray that we would um, desire uh, to have what we have. Um, and too often we take it for granted, but Lord, there, there will be a day when we uh, don't have uh, the simplicity of the Word of God right in front of us, so I do pray that we would uh, just take it and use it while we still can. Um, and Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be ministers of the gospel as we jump back into this section on uh, just being involved in the ministry and uh, what you've called us to do in that. I pray that we would uh, be good stewards of you and that we would be good testimony of you and uh, that you would really just get the honor and the glory from our lives because uh, too often we like to try to take the glory and steal some of it for ourselves. But uh, Lord, I do pray that you would uh, just uh, empty us of ourselves uh, and fill us with the Holy Spirit so that you would get uh, all the honor and all the glory that's deserved uh, and that's all of it. So Lord, I pray you'd speak to us today. Uh, I do pray for uh, Jody as she's still trying to heal up from the surgery. We praise you for uh, things going well with the surgery, Lord, we do pray that you just help her continue to manage the pain and uh, the different things, get her back up on her feet, we pray for their family, and a lot of things going on, there's different people out of town, people traveling, uh, just pray you just be with them, uh, keep them safe, Lord, we do thank you for everything that you're doing in and out of our lives, uh, just uh, allowing us to help one another out, and uh, just uh, using us uh, to be a part of what you're doing, so I pray you speak to us today in Christ's name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so we are going through this uh, family life study, and uh, I was looking at the calendar, and um, we're going to finish up the section on uh, being involved in ministry today. And so just a real quick recap, so the family life study is just basically uh, the basic of the, the, the most basic of the most basic of what God has called us to do personally in our lives. And so we kind of went through uh, a, a section on just what is it that God wants us to do when it comes to just simply following him, being a child of him. We went through a section on what is it that he's called us to do as far as being a spouse, right? Uh, and if you're if you're single, uh, praise the Lord. Uh, use that while you can. But you know, once you once you have that, there's responsibilities that come with being a spouse. We went through a section on uh, what is it that God is asking me to do, telling me to do, as far as raising my children. And each one of these topics, I could have taken six months on, but I did the just the most basic of the basic. And so now we're going through the section on being involved in ministry. And then uh, in the next two weeks before the marriage conference, uh, next week we're going to get into what is it that God has called me to do as far as just working uh, in the world, whether you uh, are someone who has an occupation, whether you're somebody who stays at home. He still has given us commands when it comes to that. And then the last one will be social life. And so I plan on getting that wrapped up before uh, the marriage conference. Uh, I personally am going to be out the day after the marriage conference, so somebody's going to be filling in for me uh, that day. And then uh, the week after that, so the week after the marriage conference, uh, we are going to jump into the book of Jonah. And I'm excited about it. God's given me some things. And so that's that's the direction we're headed, just so you kind of uh, can put some handles on it and, and go with that. So anyway, we started last week on... Uh, just this, this section on ministry and we talked about the definition of ministry and it's basically being involved in, uh, God's work. Uh, uh, the, I think, uh, basically it's serving God and others under the structure of the church, right? And so go back and listen to last week if you want some more details on that. And so we started, uh, a list because that's the way my brain works. And so we started a list of six things that we are told to do with God's ministry last week. Six things. And we got through two of them, correct? Last week is, okay. I thought, 
I thought it was only two, but then I'm like, well, maybe it was three, and I just, I, I don't know. So anyway, so the first one and the second one, I'm not going to do too much review. I'm just going to tell you uh, the first one was you're supposed to be involved in it. The first thing that God has uh, told us to do with his ministry is be in it. Uh, stop being somebody who just stands on the sidelines and, and cheers along, but be involved in it. Uh, the second thing uh, we talked about last week is receive it. Uh, he said, here it is. You know, but you can't receive something unless it's been given to you. Well, God's given you the ministry, but somebody can try to give you a gift and you can be like, no, I don't really want that. Okay, well, you didn't receive it. He's giving you this ministry. Are you going to take it? Are you going to do something with it? Go back and listen to last week. So the third thing I want to get going so we can get done today. Uh, so you've got to be involved in it. You've got to receive it. <laughs> and the third thing that God has, has told us or to do with his ministry is to give yourself to it. Uh, we're going to do a little bit more flipping around today. Um, most of you guys know I don't do a whole lot of this for the most part. I usually just read the references to you, but I want you guys to see this. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Acts, uh, chapter 6. <coughs> Acts chapter 6, and verse 4, it says, But we... Uh, this is uh, Peter and the, the, the apostles, right? He says, but we will give ourselves, content, or ourselves continually to prayer and to, to the ministry of the Word. Sorry, I just totally squirreled out for a second. Uh, we will give ourselves continually over to prayer and to the Word. And so what this passage is about is he's talking about uh, establishing... Uh, the first set of deacons, right? And basically he's saying, hey, we need some people to help out with just some of the basic ministry that goes on in the church, uh, you know, taking care of widows, you know, making sure that people are getting the, the basic needs. And, and what Peter is saying at the time is he's like, hey, we need to find somebody that can take this and run with it uh, because we, being the apostles, being the, the called to, to preach and to, we're going to make sure that we keep our focus right here on the Word of God. And we do the same thing here at HBF. Um, not that the, the pastors aren't involved in really everything that's going on, but uh, we have deacons to help with just the, the basic ministry type of things. And so what he's saying is he's going to, they're going to give themselves continually uh, over to it. And so, you know, when you think about, ministry too often we think of ministry as i've got to go fill my ministry spot today right uh, it's my turn to go work in the ministry it's my uh you know my reasonable service to go take care of the kids once a month and uh, we have to stop thinking of ministry as a spot to fill because ministry is a lifestyle ministry is the way that you live your life you know and and until you get to the point where that is who you are and it's not what you do then you're still just somebody who's filling a spot. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Um, the Apostle Paul kind of expounds on this a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, in verse 15, he says, Paul, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, right? Uh, a question you can ask yourself is, am I addicted to serving, right? Could, could you at any point say, hey, there's enough people here, I'm just going to slide myself out, right? I'll come back when there's a need, right? Uh, if there's not a need, man, I'm all, I'm all for just kind of hanging back, right? I'm kind of like that with 
with certain things. Like with, with volleyball, I'm like, sure, I'll play, but I don't have to play. Like if there's more people than what we need, I can stand on the sidelines and I'll just watch, you know. Um, I'm not any younger than I used to be. So like I'll just kind of, but with ministry, are, are you, do you find yourself in a spot where it's like, hey, there's enough help. I'm just going to, if you need help, let me know. It, if you're addicted to the ministry, it's something you've got to have. Like, I have to serve. It's just the way that it is. If I'm not serving here, I'm going to go find somewhere else to serve. I'm going to be doing something. I'm going to be busy about God's work. And it says, you know, this house of Stephanas, these people, they're so fired up about what God's, they're addicted to the ministry, right? Uh, of all the things that you can be addicted to, is that what you would say? Or are you addicted to serving? Flip back a couple pages, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 19 to 22. First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 22 says, uh, For though, this is Paul talking again, I be free from all men. Paul's a free man. Yet have I made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. Now, Paul was a Jew, right? But he, he would, uh, you know, put on his Jewish hat when he was around them if he had to, to, to bring them under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I, uh, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak, and I made, uh, all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Paul says, I'll be whatever I've got to be to get the gospel where it needs to go. Paul doesn't say, you know, hey, because I've, I've met people like this, right? Paul doesn't say, hey, this is the way I am. This is the way God created me. Uh, if he wants to use me, he'll use me just like I am, right? He doesn't need me to change. I'm not going to change for anybody. I'm not going to, you know, too often, you know, every every country song in the world says the same thing, right? I am who I am. If you want to take me like I am, then you'll take me how I am. But, and that's the mindset of a lot of people in the world. But Paul doesn't say, this is who I am. If God wants to use me, you know, he won't change me. He says, hey, I'll be whatever I have to be to get the gospel where it needs to go. Right, and I'm not saying that doesn't mean that you're, you know, Paul's not saying, hey, like I'm, I'm a chameleon to who I'm around. What he's saying is, I already am these things. Paul was a Jew, so he was able to minister to the Jews. But you know what he also was? He was called to go to the Gentiles, and he could have been like, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm a Jewish guy. Find somebody else to do that. But he's like, no, if this is what you want to use me for, I'll go and do it. And he says, hey, it, I know that I've, I, I, I'm blessed in certain ways. But he says, hey, if if, that, if you want me to go and minister to these people, I'll be poor. I'll be weak. I'll be whatever I have to be, right? A question you can ask yourself is, you know, this kind of gets personal. What exactly have I sacrificed so that I can be all things to all men? What is it in your life that you've had to say, you know what? I'm going to have to sacrifice something to actually minister to these people, to actually go and do this. Paul gave up a lot of things to be the apostle that he was. You know, what is it that you have become all things to all men? Have you had to sacrifice something? Because too often we're like, nah, this is who I am. You know, if God wants to use me, he'll use me right here. But what have you sacrificed so that you can be all things to all men? Another question you can ask yourself is, would people... Now, I understand that we shouldn't be men pleasers, but, you know, we do have to have a good testimony with, with men. Would people ever claim that you're addicted to the ministry? You know, would, would people ever say, man, you know, I, I know those people and it doesn't matter what's going on. They're going to be doing something for the Lord, right? They're going to be doing something for God. They're going to be discipling. They're going to be teaching. They're going to be going here, doing that. You know, they know that, hey, if this is going on, I don't even have to wonder if they're going to be there. I know they'll be there, right? Those people, they're addicted to it. 
What have you sacrificed so that you can be all things to all men? And would, would somebody ever claim that of you? And if you're like, nah, that's not us, why not? Right? The Bible calls us to do that. You have to give yourself over to the ministry. Paul says, hey, here's the ministry. Have you given yourself to it? You know, yeah, you've received it, but have you given yourself over to it? That's a question. The fourth thing on the list of things that we're called to do with God's ministry is we have to keep it blameless. We have to keep it blameless. You might be like, what does that mean? Right? What does the word blameless mean in, in the most basic words that somebody can put it? Pure. Pure? That's really good. Anybody else got anything? Can't stick. What? Can't stick. Can't stick, right? It's like Teflon Man, right? I think that's the word I'm looking for. Anyway, uh, the way that I always think of blameless, and those are both really good, is uh, no matter what accusation comes, right? You can be you can be clear of it, right? Like what you said, it can't stick. It doesn't matter what you say about me; I'm completely blameless. There's proof that I, right? That there's proof that I can't be blamed for whatever you're trying to put on me, right? Uh, flip over Second Corinthians chapter six, a couple pages over from where we're at. Second Corinthians chapter six, in verse three. Paul says, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Think about what you're involved in. Like I look around the room and I don't really know that there's probably anybody in here that's not involved in something along the lines of somewhere. And you know, some of us uh, are involved in multiple things and that's okay. Uh, but maybe sometimes we don't need to be involved in so many things. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the Holy Spirit for you. You figure those things out on your own. But think about what you're involved in. And just just think about you for a second. Because too often we're like, oh yeah, that other person, they really need to fix this. Or stop looking at everybody else. Think about you for a second. And when you think about your ministry, whatever you're involved in, maybe you're leading it, maybe you're just a part of it, maybe you're just, you know, filling a spot, God forbid, right? When you think about your ministry, can you say that there is no offense at all given in the ministry because of me, right? There's there's no offense in the ministry because of me. Somebody doesn't look at the ministry that I'm in and say, well, man, that person is a total hypocrite. So it just brings the name of the ministry down, right? That person, they don't live the same life in the world as they do at church. And so now they're over there and they're a part of this ministry over here. And like the ministry must be a joke too, right? Your life has to be blameless for the ministry to be blameless, Right? It just has to be. If you're somebody who lives one way today and then you go to work tomorrow and you're completely different or you go to school tomorrow, you go to wherever you're at tomorrow and you're a totally different person, then not only are you a hypocrite, but it makes the ministry a hypocrite. It makes the name of Christ hypocritical. Right? That's why the world, when you try to share the gospel with them, most people are like, man, I'm not into that. Christians are all hypocrites. And usually I'm the first one to be like, man, you're exactly right. Most of them are. But you know that you don't have to be, right? There are a few that aren't. And so you have to, we have to make sure that we're giving no offense in anything. The ministry may not be blamed. You know, uh, flip over a couple pages, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 20 and 21. Paul says, Avoiding this, 
that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered to us. So basically what they're doing is they're carrying an offering from one place to another. They were given this offering to take to another place. And he's like, okay, by the way, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in the abundance because he's basically like, hey, we're going to take some extra people with us so that there's extra eyes on this thing. So nobody thinks that, you know, I got caught with my hand in the bag or whatever else. And uh, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, verse 21, uh, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Too often we think, God knows my heart. God knows what I'm doing. I don't care what people think. Well, you can say that all the time, right? And you can even mean it. But at the end of the day, you are a representative of Christ. And when you do dumb things, I hate to be like that, but when you do dumb things, you're bringing the name of Christ down. You might say, well, I'm not doing anything. You know, I think of like single people when they're dating. Um, you know, we say that you're supposed to be blameless. Make sure you don't ever put yourself in a position where you could be blamed. They're like, well, I know I'm not doing anything. Well, the rest of the world doesn't. And a good example of that would be uh, Joseph in the book of Genesis, right? Uh, he finds himself just trying to go about the daily duties of what he's called to do. And he finds himself in the house day by day is what the Bible says in the house of Potiphar with only Potiphar's wife in there. Right. And he knows that Potiphar's wife, she's got the hots for him. And, you know, she's wanting to, to the Bible says lie with him. And he's like, no, I can't do that, man. I, I, I got to stay blameless before God. But he didn't take the right precautions to make sure that there was other eyes there, that there was somebody there making sure. So what happened? Right. She finally got tired of being rejected and she claimed, oh, this guy raped me. Well, he has nothing to stand on. He gets thrown in prison. You want to know why you have to be blameless? Because the world is always trying to tear you down. Make sure that you at all times are blameless. Think about the ministry. Is the ministry blameless because of you? Or is the ministry blamed because of you? Because some of us, you know, we're on both sides of that and we shouldn't be. Can you be trusted with godly things? Paul's like, hey, we're going to take this because you've given it to us and we're supposed to be taking it to, you know, the church down the road. Can you be trusted with godly things or do people look at you like, no, nah, we need to make sure we give that to somebody else, right? They're, they're not qualified for that. They're not ready for that. That's something you got to ask yourself. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. Again, this is Paul talking. He says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. We all understand that, right? Uh, he's actually talking to save people, but guess what? Lost people, you're in this boat as well. Uh, but he says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block on occasion to fall in his brother's way. Are you causing the ministry to stumble by the way that you're living? by the way that you're talking, by the way that you're acting, are you causing the ministry to thrive or are you holding it back? Because you might say, well, I'm just filling a spot. Well, that's not the truth, right? You're called. Paul said, I'm giving you this ministry, right? You are to not only be involved in it, you got to receive it, you got to give yourself to it. And if you've given yourself to it, now you're, you're, you're either proclaiming it or you're tearing it down, one or the other. Um, this got brought up one day this week uh, and something that we were doing and uh, Paige said this and I think I actually expounded on it a little bit uh, in HBI. But anyway, uh, she was talking to somebody and, and she was like, so if if every moment of your life was broadcast on a screen, right, for the world to see, would you have to live differently? 
If you knew that every moment of your life, everything that you were saying, everything that you were doing, I'm not even talking about your thoughts because nobody wants that. But like if, if everything that you said and did was broadcast on a screen for everybody to see, right? If this was like, you know, the Hunger Games or whatever where you got, big, you know, Big Brother going on and you got all this going on, would you have to live differently? Would you want to live differently? Because if that's the case, then there's something in your life that's not completely blameless. You know, and, and, uh, we think of that and we're like, yeah, that's, that's really kind of convicting. But then we're like, well, praise the Lord, that doesn't happen, right? I, we don't actually have to do that. I get your point, but what you're saying is that that won't happen. Let me tell you something. At the judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be very similar to that. You will have an opportunity to stand before Jesus Christ. And you will give an account. And it will have nothing to do with your sin before you got saved. Praise the Lord, the blood of Christ took care of all that, right? It will have nothing to do with the sin that you've committed even after you got saved. Because again, the blood of Christ was good enough to take care of all that. But you will answer for what you did with the time that you had from the day you got saved moving forward. That's what happens at the judgment seat of Christ. And let me tell you something. The judgment seat of Christ isn't just a one-on-one, hey, let's shut the door and have a conversation with Jesus. We're all going to be there. Everything that you did from the day you got saved moving forward will be broadcast on a screen. That's the way I play it out in my head anyway. And Jesus is going to be like, hey, you remember this? What happened there? Right? Hey, what were we doing here? And so we think, oh, yeah, well... I get what you're saying, that's convicting, but you know that doesn't actually happen. There will be a day when that's going to happen, right? When all of your works are going to be manifest. Are you blameless or not, right? Because if you're not, it's not just your life that you're kind of condemning. It's not just the church. It's the ministry. It's the name of Christ. That should like bear some weight on your shoulders. You should. It should just make you desire to be more. You know, but too often we're just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't. Maybe someday I'll be like that. You're called to be like that today. Is your ministry? Now, ministry is a pretty loose word for basically the way that you are living to proclaim the name of Christ within the walls of the church, without the. Is your ministry causing those in it or around it to stumble or to thrive? Is the way that you uh, live your life in and out of the ministry? Is it causing the ministry that you're involved in to thrive or to to be brought down? Because it's one or the other. You're not just filling a spot. You're not just going through the motions like some of us think we are. Well, I'm just doing my thing, right? No, you're not. You represent something bigger. People are always watching you. No matter who you are, you know, I've said this to people before and they think, yeah, well, yeah, you say that, but people are watching you. It doesn't matter who you are, there's someone watching you. There's somebody wanting to see how you're going to do. Some people are, are doing it for the right motives. You know, hey, I, I want to be like that. I want, to, I want to have something to... Some people are doing it for the wrong motives. They're just waiting for you to stumble. So, man, they can start casting stones. There's always somebody watching. The guy at work, right? The, the, the gal that you see every day. Whoever it is, there's always somebody watching, wanting to know, are you really going to live out the way that you claim that you're going to live? How you doing? Right? How, how you living? That's on you. The fifth thing that God calls us to do with His ministry is to fulfill it. We have to fulfill it. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4.
in verse 17. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17. And say unto uh, Archippus, I think that's how you say that, I don't know, uh, take heed to the ministry that thou hast received of the Lord and fulfill it. Right? So go back a couple points. It says that you're supposed to receive the ministry. Okay, well, here's the deal. If you've received it, if you said, yes, I'll buy into it. God gave it to me. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do something. Okay, if you've received it, are you fulfilling it? Because if you've stepped into a ministry, there's a goal with that ministry, right? And if there's not, you need to talk to the leader and be like, hey, what's the goal here? What, is, what, are, what are we striving to do? What is, the, what, what, what is the purpose of what we're doing? You know, you might say, well, I just work in the children's ministry. We're just trying to make sure the kids stay alive. Well, I mean, that's one goal, but that's not the goal, right? Some days it might seem like it, but that's not, it doesn't matter what you're involved in. The, the leadership has a focus of where you're going. So like, okay, I've signed up. I'm submitting to you. This is what I'm, I'm here to help. What is the goal here? What are we trying to do? How are we going to fulfill what we're called to do? Another way to, to make sense of this, flip over to Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. Um, Paul makes a really good point here. Second Timothy chapter 4. It'll make this make a little bit more sense of what I'm talking about. I want you to see this. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. Paul says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Right? He gives like a list of some things there. He says, I want you to, I want you to watch in all things, I want you to endure afflictions, I want you to do the work of an evangelist, and I want you to make full proof of the ministry. That full proof is what I want to talk about. He says, I want you to make full proof of thy ministry, right? Okay, the ministry is the work that you're involved in, okay? That's what we're really trying to narrow down on here. So, um, the, the first three things we can get to at a different time. But he says, I want you to make full proof of thy ministry. What does he mean when he says that? He's basically saying, I want you to make the most of your ministry opportunities, right? You're only given so many opportunities. You might be like, well, I obviously have more opportunities than others because it seems like that's all I do is I'm in the ministry here. I'm doing that over there. I'm doing that over there. Are you making the most of your opportunities? There will be a time when we're in eternity looking back and we're going to be like, man, I really thought I was going through it. And that was just like a blink. Did I make the most of what I had? You might be like, man, it's not like that for me. I'm just struggling to get through. I'm just saying there will be a time when you actually can breathe and you look back and eternity's happening. You know, eternity's forever in case you didn't know what that meant. And you look back and are you going to look back and say, I wish I would have done a little more. I wish I would have said something a little different. I wish I would have done. Are you making the most of your ministry opportunities? If you're going to fulfill God's ministry then you're going to have to endure afflictions. That's part of what he said there. I'm just telling you, if you think that, you know, the ministry is, it's all fun and games, right? It's all, it doesn't matter. If you're going to fulfill God's ministry, you will have to endure afflictions, right? And I'm, I hate to be the guy who says this, but most of it's going to be from other people, right? It just is. The hardest thing about ministry is what? It's the people. I hate to be like that, but it is. The hardest thing about ministry is the people. But if you have the right heart, you want to know the best thing about ministry? It's the people. But too often we get so caught up in the, the, the people that are in this ministry are so terrible. And that's just you bringing the ministry down, by the way. You think that it's just so terrible that, that I just can't do it. Okay, you're not seeing things in God's way. You think God needed the 12 disciples to do anything, right? They were a bunch of like, no-name misfits, fishermen, tax collectors. Like, these guys were the nothing of the nothing. He didn't need any of them. 
But he chose to use them anyway. So when you go in the ministry and you're like, man, I feel like uh, God really needs me to do this. God doesn't need you to do anything. He really wants to use you. It'd be awesome if you got to be a part of it, but he doesn't need you. He desires to use you. And when you do that, then you get to give it back to him anyway. But if you're going to fulfill God's ministry, you have to endure afflictions. Are you up for that? Because some of us are like, oh, no, I'm not. I didn't sign up for tribulation. Afflictions? Nope, not for me. Okay, well, over and over again, the Bible says that that's coming for you. Remember this. It's God's ministry anyway. Right? I don't care if you're the leader. I don't care if you're the the quote-unquote creator. I had this idea. It was my thing. Uh, It's God's ministry anyway. Stop trying to put your spin on God's ministry. Right? It's okay to have ideas and to do things, but too often, you know, we try to recreate the wheel. Stop trying to put your spin on God's ministry. He's already cornered the market on service. So do it his way because it's all his in the first place. Right? Sometimes we just need to stop asking so many questions and just say, what do you want me to do, God? Sir, yes, sir. Right? And you might be like, well, I ask God, but all he does is keep giving me these authorities in my life. Okay, well, that's his way of saying, this is my delegated authority. Stop questioning and start doing, right? Stop thinking so much and start obeying. God is so much more interested in your obedience than he is your service, right? What is the uh, the, the verse back in uh, when Saul tries to... Uh, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Saul tries to... What's that? Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it's it, it's in Samuel, I think. I, I can look at it. Page, look that up for me. It's in Samuel, and so basically, what happens is uh, Saul has this really good idea. He's supposed to destroy all these people. I think it's the Amalekites, actually. And uh, and he goes in, and he's like, he's supposed to destroy everybody, all the people, all the animals, all the everything. God says, "This is what I want you to do." And what he goes in, and he does most of that. But he has this really good intention. He's like, "Hey, I've got an idea. I'm going to save the." best of the cattle and like the best of it and i'm going to make a really good sacrifice to god for this stuff right and so uh, and he's like I, I know that's what god said to do but he's really going to like what i'm doing here first samuel 15 22 and so basically he has this idea he saves them back and he's getting ready to make the sacrifice and samuel comes rolling up you know samuel's the prophet and uh got the spokesman of god and He's like, uh, hey, Saul, what's going on? And I'm obviously paraphrasing this, but, uh, and he's like, oh, I'm, you know, getting ready to make this sacrifice. And, you know, and, uh, and, and he's like, well, weren't you supposed to like destroy everything? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we did. And so Samuel's like, what is this bleeding of the, I think that's the word he uses. Basically, why do I hear the, the, the animals here? I thought everything was, was dead. And he's like, oh, I had this really good idea. I was going to make this sacrifice unto God and he's really going to be pleased with it. And uh, that's when that verse pops up and basically he says, uh, you know, to obey is better than to sacrifice, right? If God wants you to sacrifice, he'll call you to sacrifice. But for right now, why don't you just do what you're told to do? You know, and that's basically the, the I, I totally paraphrased most all of that, but that's basically what the, the, the point is. We take the ministry and we're like, hey, I've got this really good idea. And that's a, there's a time and a place for new ideas, right? And for new things. But if God says, hey, this is what we're going to do, then just do it and just obey. When God rolls up in your life, like he does with, with Jonah, and he's like, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and tell. Go and preach. You know, in your life, it might be something else. It might be stay at home and do this. It might be go and do that. Whatever it is, that's why we're doing this study first. When God rolls up in your life and he says, hey, this is what I want you to do. To obey is better than to sacrifice, right? 
Are you doing what he told you to do first? Because if you decide that, hey, I don't really want to do that, well, we'll find out when we get to the book of Jonah. Uh, God's not playing games, right? Your life is not a game. He's only going to give you so many opportunities. Are you going to obey or not? He's cornered the market. Make sure we do it his way. The last thing, this is the one I really want to get to. Uh, number six, the last thing that God has told us to do with his ministry is do it as a team. Do it as a team. Now, I'm, I'm going to use an, an analogy, an example here uh, of a married couple. But if you're single, ministry is done in teams no matter what, right? So make sure that you, it's a team. When we send out uh, church planners, we nearly always send them as a team, right? Uh, it's just what we do. There's a team going on. But anyway, uh, flip over to Acts chapter 18. We're going to spend a little bit of time here and then we'll uh, look at something. But uh, there's a couple of people. Acts chapter 18. There's this guy, his name's Aquila, and his wife's name's Priscilla. And if you follow these people through the New Testament, every single time that you ever hear about Aquila, you hear his wife's name attached to him, right? They're always together. Anytime you ever hear about Priscilla, she's with her husband, right? They're always ministering together. They're always doing together, right? And so they're always mentioned together. I think that's interesting. But notice the progression of just if you follow from the first time that they're mentioned all the way through every time that God mentions these people to the last time. And notice how God grows them when they're just simply obedient to do what he tells them to do. Notice how God grows them along the way. Two people, too often uh, in, in the church today, people are like, man, I want to I be used of this. I want to go and do this. I want to, you know, and they want to like fast track themselves to... Uh, glory. And God's like, hey, what are we doing right now today? Right? Are, are we taking care of today? Because you're never going to get to the finish line if you don't get past the halfway line. And you're never going to get to the halfway line if you don't just do what's right in front of you. You've got to start the race before you can finish it. Uh, Acts chapter 18 and verses 1 to 3, it says, And after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontius, lately uh, come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and they came unto them, and Paul came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, meaning they, they did the same job, he abode with them and wrought for their occupation. Uh, they were tent makers. So the first thing we find out about these guys is uh, they work together, right? Uh, they, they work together. They, they, they were tent makers. Now, I understand that, you know, the occupation, we don't have people that just go put up, you know, tents today, but they, they, that was their occupation. And Paul's occupation when he was in the real world was he was a, a tent maker. And so with the first thing we find out about Aquila and Priscilla is they just work together, right? They just did life together. Okay. Fast forward to the same chapter, Acts chapter 18 and verse 18. It says, and Paul, after this, after what? Well, if you go back, there was some persecution going on. Can you imagine that? In the church, there's persecution. And Paul, after this, tarried there a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence to Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centuria, for he had a vow. The next thing we find these guys doing is they're just learning together. They're serving together. They're traveling together, right? Now, I'm not talking about traveling the world, right? They're doing ministry together. They're going wherever God has called them to do, right? Uh, they they went on mission trips together. This would be like their style of a mission trip. Paul says, hey, we're going to go here. You know, do it as a team. If you're married, do that as a team. There's going to be a time and a place where God's going to call you on a mission trip where you can't go together. But if there's any time that you can serve together, do that, 
right? These people, they're always together. They're, they're, they're serving together. Fast forward, same chapter, verse 26. It says, uh, actually, back up to verse 24. So now Paul is left. Now it's just Aquila and Priscilla, right? So now the leader, the, the quote-unquote uh, you know, guy who they're following is no longer with them. So what are they going to do? They're going to fall back to their old ways? They gonna, what's going to happen? No, they've grown now. Verse 24, it says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, uh, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. And this man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So this guy named Apollos, he's very... Uh, zealous for the Lord, but he doesn't know a lot of doctrine, right? He's probably newly uh, born again, and he wants to get something done for Jesus, but he just doesn't know a lot. And it says the only thing he knows is the baptism of John. So he's out there, he's trying to teach and preach and get something done. And here's what happens. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, verse 26, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded on him the way of God more perfectly. They didn't call him in and be like, hey man, you don't know what you're talking about. Simmer down. You know, go get go get trained up before you do that. No, they took him away privately after he was done with what he was doing, and he said, "Hey, let's let's talk about your doctrine for a minute, right? Let's let's uh let's slow the roll and just make sure that you have everything lined up." They didn't make a, a fool of the guy. What'd they do? They discipled him, right? Now, now I understand it wasn't sixteen lessons, but they took him and they discipled together. They counseled together. Right? They took this guy and we see them like just growing people up in the Lord, but they did it together. Right? It wasn't like, hey, uh, hey, hey babe, I've got to go and, and do counseling with these people. Hey, I've got to go and do this. There's enough times that you have to do that. Anytime that you can do things together, you can disciple together, man, I encourage you to do it. Do it as a team. Whatever you're doing. They, so, uh, flip over to Romans chapter 16. We're almost done. Um, just following these guys' life because what God can do if you're just simply obedient to Him and just follow Him through your life, He'll take you from just... Well, we'll see. Romans chapter 16 and verse 3 and 4. Same people. Paul's saying at the end of his letter to the, uh, to the, to the Romans, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, whom for my life have laid down their own necks, to whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. He's like, hey, I know that uh, Priscilla and Aquila, they're there in Rome. So, hey, tell them I said, hey, and I really appreciate them. Because some of the things that they did for me, they sacrificed. They didn't have to do that. The next thing we find them is they sacrificed together. Have you and your spouse or you and your ministry team, have you had to go through some things together? Because that's what grows you closer. Even as, as your team and ministry, sometimes you have to go through some affliction. Sometimes you have to go through some attrition so that you know who's for real and who's not. Right? We find these guys and, and they're just sacrificed together. Who knows what they had to go through? In the early church, they probably really had to go through some things uh, to help out the Apostle Paul, but they sacrificed together. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the end of the book of uh, the Corinthians, same thing. He's writing a letter to the Corinthians and he's like giving his shout outs, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 19. Paul's talking to the Corinthians. He's almost done. He says, The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you in the Lord with the church that is in their house. These guys went from just serving God wherever they were, working together. Now they're church planners together. Right? If you just get on board with what God has called you to do in your life, and you're just simply obedient to this, this step, 
then who knows what the next step will be. The next thing you know, you're going to be a church planner, right? Maybe not, but you know, God's only going to grow you to something like that if you're obedient in the simple things first. And then the last, so they became church planners together. And the last thing, Second uh, Timothy chapter four and verse nineteen. I'm not trying to read it. Write that down. But they kept the faith together, right? In your ministry, in God's ministry, you're going to have to go through some things, and God's going to use you if you'll allow Him to. But too often we like get in the way. We're like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to do it this way. I want to do it like a. When you get a part of a team, now if you're married, God has already given you it. Given, given you. He's given you a teammate, right? But but if you're single, find a team to be a part of. Go and do something, right? Do, and just work together, serve together. Travel together, disciple together, sacrifice together. And who knows, by the time you're done, you might be doing something absolutely extraordinary for God that you had no idea. Right? I thought I was just serving in the children's ministry. Well, yeah, that's where you started. That was the first step that he called you to. You know, I don't know of a single, and I know most of you are like, well, I don't want to be a pastor. Well, uh, I don't know of a single pastor, a single missionary, a single church planner that you would talk to that didn't say, I started in the children's ministry, right? I started with the basic of the basic. Because you have to start somewhere, right? And sometimes feeding the lambs is where it starts. And just do that one thing, and then God will say, okay, now it's time to, to do the next thing, right? And do the next thing. And sometimes doing the next thing doesn't mean you're going to leave off doing the first thing. You're just going to add something to it. But make sure you do one thing well first. So the first thing that, that God says to do is simply obey. And if you're simply obedient... And these other things are going to fill in. But when you're not obedient, when you're like, no, I want to do it my way. Well, guess what? It's God's ministry. You can try to do it your way all you want. You're probably going to embarrass yourself, right? And so those are just the most basic things. I'd really like to say a lot of other things about ministry. But, you know, God says, hey, these are what I want you to do with my ministry. So next week we're going to get into, like, what is it that God tells us to do as far as our work goes? Um, Because for the most part, we should know that. But sometimes we really get off track. And we're like, no, I'm, I'm working now and I'll serve later. Well, guess what? They all kind of go together. Look what Aquila and Priscilla were doing. So uh, that kind of wraps that up. Let's pray. Sorry if we're going over. Uh, Father, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, I do thank you for the ministry. Uh, you don't need us, but you desire to use us. So I do pray that you would find us faithful to the little things first because we're never going to be uh, anything major in life until we simply do the, the, the basic things first. And Lord, we may never have our name written where everybody sees it. But God, you know everything that we've done, everything that we've sacrificed, everything that that we have given. And I pray that we would be willing to just give it all back to you because to all the glory goes to you anyway. Lord, I pray that you would be manifest in our lives, that you would use us, that you would call us to be more like you every day, that we would lay down the worldly things that we find uh, just just attaching to us and that we would lay those things down and just really uh, serve you in whatever way you've called us to do today because to be obedient is much more than to sacrifice. Lord, I pray you would just... Uh, Really, change us from the inside out. Send us out as lights in a dark world that you would get the honor and glory from our lives. In Christ's name, amen.